I want you to turn your Bibles. This is going to be an interesting deal. So we're going to stay on the chronological study today. 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37. We're also going to hit Palm Sunday, and then we're going to hit the Lord's Supper today. So are we ready? We're going to go through the Bible today, okay? It's going to be great stuff, and we're just going to see how... You know, even in saying that, it's amazing how God weaves the story together, okay? God is weaving the story together in you, too. I told you um, recently that I was appreciative of you as a church, that you allow me to kind of flex the muscle of pastoring pastors and encouraging them and that sort of thing. This year at our retreat up in Gatlinburg, the theme was stories. And so all of our speakers would do two things. They would share their story, and they were all pastors, of course. They would share their story. And then after their story, they would share bullet points, five or, you know, four or five things that here's a takeaway for you from my story. And then after each session, we'd have small groups where everyone shared their stories. And what you don't realize is the power of a story. Because as God is weaving your story together, there's ups and downs. There's good days. There's bad days. There's things that happen that you scratch your head and you don't really know why. There's things that happen and it's something you prayed for specifically. And it happened and it's so great. And, and the reality is God is weaving the story together. Who had an opportunity to listen to the new podcast, Crossroads Conversations? Did anybody? Good. I'm glad you did. If you don't, uh, raise your hand. Let me see if you did. I'm just kind of doing a good, good. Um, one of the things that we're doing is we're kind of expanding our podcast. So there's uh, a new thing, Crossroads Conversations, and we'll talk about sermons, and we might talk about the Day of Kindness. We might talk about other ministries, things that are going along. So just be paying attention on your podcast. If you need some help with that, see Ricky, see myself, see Brandon. We'll, we'll try to help you uh, get that figured out on your phone. Um, because some people would look at me and say, I don't even know what that means. What's that? And that's okay, because I had to figure it out myself, okay? But it can make a 20-minute drive really interesting, okay? It can make it good. And so one of the things that we weaved out, or that we discussed this week about Ruth, is that God was weaving things in and out of the story. And we didn't even see it until it, at the very end, we saw the story. Remember Boaz redeemed the family? By marrying Ruth. And what does that remind us of? The redemption of Christ, right? And so God is using your story to impact someone else. So today, when you're walking around and you're telling somebody, hey, we love you at Crossroads, Jesus loves you, here's a bag of great stuff, you're knocking on a door, whatever, and you have an opportunity, you never know, because I promise you, somebody's going to hear somebody's story. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna, it's likely that you're going to hear somebody's story if you talk to somebody. And you can share them your story. Jesus changed my life. That's pretty much all of our stories, right? So let's look at kind of what God did in David's life today. I think it might be amiss if we didn't take the chronological study and talk about David and Goliath just a little bit. Everybody talks about this story. We all know the story. Let me encourage you. Um, there's, there's another way of looking at this story. 
um, there is a uh, there, there's a book called David and Goliath, um, and you know what? I just lost the author's name. Um, anyway, it's the same one that wrote Tipping Point. Any help out there for me? Um, Mal- uh, Malcolm Gladwell. There you go. Okay, Malcolm Gladwell, David and Goliath. Go watch the 15 minute YouTube video because here's why. You're going to learn some things that will blow your mind about the story, about the fact that. Goliath might not have been as tough as you think he was, and David might have been just the right person to take him out. And you'll see how the story goes medically, scientifically, and it's pretty interesting. Today, we're going to look at something about David. Today, we're going to unpack just the smallest part of this story with the full intent that you would see yourself in this story. Have you ever felt like before you stands a giant? The only way for you to get through this thing is to have to go to battle with a giant. Anybody? Let's see what the scripture says. 1 Samuel 17, 32-37. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear came to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Anybody sign up for that? I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Let's pray. Father God, today in the next few minutes, I just pray that you would kind of show us some things in this story. Let us see how we go to battle with giants too and how we can handle that situation just like David handled this one. We love you and trust you. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, David is borderline cocky, isn't he? Isn't he? I mean, he's a young guy who's got it figured out. What he is is this, y'all. He's confident. Okay? You may be reading the story wrong if you think he's just overly cocky. He probably has a little bit of edge to him. I'm just saying, if I beat up a lion and a bear, I might have an edge to me. You know what I mean? I mean, I might walk around thinking I'm a pretty bad dude, right? So here's the thing. David knew that he was capable, and that gave him confidence, okay? He says right here, verse 32, don't worry about the Philistine. I got this. One of my sons, I won't tell you which one, I'll let you guess, would look at us whenever we talk about grades in school. And his favorite line, Kayla, was this. You ready? I got it! It's like, what you talking about? It's no problem. I got this figured out. David looked at Saul and says, I'll go fight him. I got this. Piece of cake. Right? Right? Here's what I think. I think David already knew that he could beat him. 
I think David had already beat him in his own mind. He took care of it. I think David thought it was really silly what was going on. Like, why are we wasting all our time with this? God is way bigger than him. Amen? Problem is this. Sometimes we see things like Saul did. We see this present reality of the big thing in front of you. The big Goliath that's been fighting since he was a child and he's got these huge weapons because he's so big and massive and strong and all these things. And David taps on his bag and goes, oh, there's my sling. I got this. I'll go fight it. I'll take care of it. Listen, if your confidence doesn't come from God, you will struggle in this area. If your confidence comes from you, even your victories, you will also be reminded by that one that loves to whisper your failures into your ear as well. And what happens is we tend to take our eyes off of the Lord. Remember Simon Peter was confident to be able to jump out on that water as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord. But when he began to doubt, when he began to have the struggle, what happened? He began to sink. Our confidence is the beginning step of what we need to do to what God is calling us to do. But our confidence is not from within. A lasting, battle-ready confidence can only come from the Lord. And y'all... Listen to me. Listen to me. If you take nothing else from this today, if you don't think we're in a war, you are closing your eyes to this present reality. You are closing your eyes to this present situation in our world, in our community. The war that we're in is not flesh and blood, people. When, quote unquote, they do something to you, remember who's pulling the strings. If you think for a second that satanic powers are not real, do me a favor as a Christian, just turn on the news for about five minutes. You will get your overload. We are in a battle and it's real and the only way for you and me to be confident and battle ready is to solely rely on the Lord. Amen? So I want to I push you to that edge. To go out and you do that. Because God's already won the victory. Woo! He's already won. Verse 34 and 35. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my, brothers, my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns to me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I would have a lot of respect for somebody that said that to me. I just would. I'm just telling you. Like, that's just impressive. You know? That's just straight up impressive. But here's what it, the point is this. We've got to be prepared. Not just confident, but prepared. David knew how to use a club on an animal. Okay? I don't know how he figured that out, but he figured it out. And I'm sure he had a little practice here and there defending his sheep. He's a shepherd, remember? 
See, the problem is we have this picture of David. He's sitting under, you know, he's sitting under a tree like Jeff Pasley, just playing that guitar, baby. He just did it, did it, did it, and everybody's going, oh my gosh, that guy can play. And they're mesmerized by the beautiful sounds of the harp coming out of David, and it's just this beautiful little, this shepherd, this psalmist, this songwriter, the reality is he was a warrior. He didn't sit there and play the guitar all day. He took care of his sheep. He had to defend it from wolves. He had to defend it from coyotes. He had to defend it from the bad guys. From the evil ones. And listen, we know if you follow Christ, Jesus Christ Himself said that He is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, that sounds like he's just a, it's just a picnic waiting to happen, doesn't it? Fellow disciple, my brother, my sister, listen. He is on the prowl seeking to devour anyone he can. So if you're tired of praying for somebody that hasn't met the Lord yet, you need to get back on your knees and start praying again. If you're tired of fighting the good fight because you're weary, don't grow weary. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Get with other believers. Get lifted up. What are you doing to prepare Are you preparing to serve the Lord? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one, but I do want you to answer honest in your head. Have you been discipled? Have you been prepared? Has someone intentionally invested in you? Are you someone sitting out in the room that could invest in others and you're not doing anything? And you're not making those disciples and you're not helping prepare people? What are we doing? If you need to be discipled, you come to me today. We will get you in a group. We will get you in a a, a pair. We will get you that. If you need to disciple somebody, you let me know. This is not all fun and games. This is spiritual warfare. You need to be prepared. You must put in the work if you're going to be ready. Verse 36, David reminds him again, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the Philistine. Y'all look, David's language changes here. His tone of voice changes here. I've done it to the lions and the bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So, not only is he confident and prepared, he is focused We have got to be focused. Look, that guy over there is going against my God. I'm going to take care of this. It's that simple. He knew what the prize was. The prize wasn't all the other things. It wasn't about Saul's wardrobe. He didn't need any of that stuff. He just needed, you ready? He needed to do what God gave him, use that stuff, and take care of that problem. Did you tie the knot there? God has given you Your stuff. You may not be able to use a sling. And by the way, this sling is interesting. It's not a slingshot. Okay? I had one of those when I was a kid. I even had the cool one that like went over the arm thing. And you're like, you know, all that, you know. This one is like straps of leather that hold a pouch at the end. And at the end, you put a basically like a, um, 
like a like a either either a racquetball or a tennis ball or a baseball even size rock in there, okay? And then you get that thing, and you can kind of it's got four straps and a little bag at the end, little you know catch deal, and then you swing it around your head, and at some point I don't know I don't, I'm not a I'm more proficient in this right, and at some point along the way you 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 release and and the, I I don't I don't know if you release part of it and it just flies out and hits them in the head, uh, you know, which is the goal, right? But it's pretty incredible skill and abilities. As a matter of fact, this was known as the infantry of the battle lines. They were carrying these slings, and they used them proficiently. I just got to ask, any Lord of the Rings fans? Any Lord of the Rings fans? There, I think one of the coolest scenes in a movie of all time is when Legolas, you know, long blonde hair guy, Goldilocks, it's awesome. Looks, you know, super cool. He jumps on the shield. You remember this? And he slides down the stairs. And what's he doing the whole time? You know? You know, he's just letting them have it. Precision. Accuracy. He's got it going on. I can see David swinging that thing, knowing exactly when to let go. And we know he did. He hit Goliath right in the head. He was focused. He was ready to go. He was letting her rip. How easily are you and I distracted in this world? What's coming against you to get you off base here? There's a difference between being sighted in and zeroed in. I'm a deer hunter and I love to hunt. I have a, a rifle and I love to go. And the first thing I try to do every season is to go and zero that gun in. The reason why is because I've learned too many times I've wasted so much time from sitting in a deer stand waiting for the deer when I thought, quote unquote, my gun was sighted in because it got bore sighted or I used it last year and it was good and I didn't take the time. See, I have a very precise tool for zeroing in my gun. It's called Kenny Barrett's Haystack. Okay? And we have this system. And he helps me out. And every season, I go and I lay it down and we get 100. And we, we do the deal and we get it zeroed in. And y'all guess what? You know what happens after that? Meat in the freezer. That's what happens in that. Okay? If you need some deer sausage, come see me. Here's the thing. How many times in life are we off just by a little bit? And it takes us way far away from where we want to be. We've got to be focused. We've got to be zeroed in. David was. He said, look, I've done this before. I'll do it again. Verse 37, the first part of that, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Where's his power come from? From the Lord. He's empowered by God. Notice the Lord rescued him. David didn't take the Lord's honor. He stood and he, it empowered David to stand against Goliath. This is critically important. If you're going out and you win a victory and you claim the victory yourself, you're missing the point. You're a follower of Jesus. He's paid the price for you. He's done the hard work. You submit yourself to Him. You follow Him. You do what the Lord has, has gifted you and is calling you to do. And you give him the glory for it, right? 
because he's the one that's empowered you to be able to handle this. And then finally, it says, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And he said, may the Lord be with you. Not only was David confident, prepared, focused and empowered, but he was also blessed. Obviously, we see the blessing of the king of Saul saying, go do it. There's a bigger blessing that David had. You know what it was. It was from God. You remember Samuel? Remember Samuel? The, you remember the prophet? And he has to go out and find the king. And then Saul turned his back on God and had to find another one, didn't he? Remember him, him saying to, to David's dad, saying, well, where's everybody? Jesse's like, well, they're all here. And he's like, isn't there one more? Oh, yeah, but he's, he's a little kid. He's out there in the field. You, you, don't, you don't really, well, no, I need to see him too. The blessing came from God. He ordained David to do just what David was going to do. It was critically important to the people, the Israelites, to see this in David's life, this victory that David was going to win that day. Do you live in the blessings of the Lord? Do you bless the Lord with your life? David did. David yelled and cheered and gave God all the glory in his life. Even when he made mistakes, he repented and he gave glory, glory to God. I want to read another story to you. It's in Luke 19. Starts in verse 36. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path of the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. It almost sounds like David wrote it, doesn't it? Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This Palm Sunday, you may have the images of Christ coming in. The people giving Him the glory. The people on the outer set giving Him the glory. Are you giving Him the glory in your life? Is it something that you do every single day? You know, this Holy Week that we're in, we can just look right by it. We can just skip it and not pay attention to it. We can just think it's just another week and another time. We love, we do a Facebook Live every day during this week. The staff does, so be paying attention to that. Because we don't want it just to be another week. We don't want you just on Palm Sunday to just worship Jesus and say everything's so great, and then by Thursday you're turning your back on Him and saying crucify Him. There's a struggle here. There's a constant need for encouragement and equipping. David knew that in his life. That's why he gave God all the glory all the time. I want to encourage you to do that. You know, the Lord walked this week and 
I can only imagine what he thought because he knew, because he was God and God had communicated with him, he knew that he was going to have to pay a price. He knew that he was going to have to take the torture. And by the first of the week, that Sunday, the Palm Sunday, he's got to be scratching his head. His heart has to be heavy. Even in the middle of all the accolades and worship. Because he was going to have this dinner with these disciples later in the week. He already knew it. Remember, he already planned it. Remember, he already had all the details taken care of. It's kind of like Jesus, isn't it? Takes care of all the details. In chapter 22 of Luke, verse 14, he says this. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I fervently desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper and said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood which is poured out for you. So all these thoughts, all these emotions are going through his mind. He knows the hour is literally at hand. He knows in that room, there's his betrayer. He knows what's going to happen. And yet, he's not in a plastic little cool thing. But he took a piece of unleavened bread. He broke it. You know, today, I want to ask you to go ahead and prepare yourself. You can open these up. Today as we come literally to the table here, Jesus says to us, and often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. So today I, I need to ask you to do something. Maybe you've opened yours already, but maybe you have some unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe there's some stuff you're struggling with. I want to tell you, don't... I, don't, don't take it. Don't do it. Until you repent. Until you confess. Those are the encouragement of Paul and of Christ. Examine your heart. Because Jesus literally looked at this and he said, This bread is my body which has been broken for you. Take and eat. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then Jesus literally tells us to eat his flesh. The Lord is good. And then Jesus went on, said in the same way he took the cup, and he said, this cup, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink it. 
So Jesus on the cross paid the price for you and me. He shed his blood. Folks, listen to me. Through the blood of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, if we don't find confidence, preparation, focus, empowerment, and blessings, we are missing what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Today, O Holy Father, we come together to celebrate Jesus, to worship Him in spirit and truth. We also remember the price that He paid for us. The things He's done for us. Heavenly Father, You allowed Jesus Christ to die for me. I want to live for Him. You allow Jesus Christ to die for every person in this room. Let us in one accord cry out, I want to live for you, Jesus. Today, God, you've given us a mission. A literal mission. To go out into this community and shine the light of Jesus on people that you put our church geographically right around. You've called us to gather right here. Today I pray your blessings, protection, provision. I pray for divine appointments. I pray for no chance meetings. I pray for godly things to happen through godly people. To give that bread of life to those malnourished that don't have Jesus so that they can taste and see that you are good. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this today. We thank you for this opportunity to share. We pray that you would open doors for us all week long in our lives, in our communities, in our families, in our works, in our our places of work, our schools, that you would allow us to share the love of Jesus one person at a time. God, we just love you so much. And we thank you.